0: Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Men podcast. Today's episode is a personal story. Um, I had Bill come on my show, Bill Ranshaw, who was a heavy porn user and sex addict, and he shares a story of. How he felt during that time and what it took for him to get out of it, and we just kind of speak on this topic that I feel like a lot of you guys are struggling with or know someone who's struggling with it. I know so many men who are going through the um, the no FAP challenge, um, which is helping a lot of you in terms from what I hear, and that's great. You know, I think it's and me and Bill will talk in the podcast that it's not necessarily that porn is bad, but when it starts taking over your life you know, nothing that takes over your life that you lose control over is is really good for you, right? So before I dive into the episode, nice juicy personal episode, I want to remind you guys to register for a call with me for the effective communication method. So this is my new course. It's a 12-week course, and this is something I... I created based on the fact that I saw so many guys struggling in their communication with their female partner and especially around conflict that has that emotional aspect to it. So most men will avoid it, right? If there's an emotional conversation, most of you will find a way to avoid it and not be a part of it. Even if it's costing you your sex life, that's a big thing I realized. And I've created this program in a way so that the end result you get is more intimacy with your partner, more sex, um, which which comes with more communication and more confidence in your ability to communicate under emotional situations, emotional pressure, right? Because this is not something that men are as naturally gifted at doing as women are. We're more, much more emotionally in tune. So I want to remind you guys that it's okay to not feel totally confident in this area, but if you're not feeling confident, let's get you to feel confident so that you can have a lot of intimacy so that you can feel appreciated and wanted sexually and physically and emotionally and mentally. You want to feel like you're worthy of this relationship and you totally are. So let's get you feeling that way and let's, let's get your woman seeing you that way. So this this program is really just amazing. I really believe in it and I want you to believe in it too. And even if that takes just getting on a call with me and just if this sounds like you could benefit from it, just get on a call. It will help you. It could change your life. So at least the least you can do is get on a phone call to hear more about it. All right. No, there's no pressure. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Just get on the phone call and learn more about the program. And then you could say, Hey, I really do need this because most likely you do. And I'm here to help you. So for more information on the effective communication method, just click the link below and that's where you could fill out the form so that I have more information about you and then you could book a call from there. Schedule a call for as early as this week, okay? I'm taking the first 10 guys who join get a massive discount, which I'm really excited about to offer you guys. And it will just be an awesome experience. Plus I'm super fun to work with. So let's do this. All right, jumping into today's episode. Bill Ranshaw was a heavy porn user and sex addict for 36 years. After years of failed relationships, chronic fatigue, unhappiness in multiple careers, and loneliness, Bill realized he had to completely eradicate his addictions in order to have a future of love, intimacy, success, and true happiness. He overcame and ended his porn use and sex addiction on March 21st, 2017. Since his transformation, Bill has become a three-time Emmy award-winning producer, and he has found the love of his life and is now engaged. In addition, his addictions have gave rise to the purpose of bringing awareness to and coaching men negatively affected by porn. He leads them through a transformation to a guilt-free and shame-free life and to a life of abundance and happiness they deserve. Okay, hey Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to share your story with the guys listening. It's going to be so helpful for all of them.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate the invitation to be on. I know we've connected uh, uh, offline a couple of times, and I really feel my story can uh, help uh, your your audience and your listeners because I have really, at one point in time, fell exactly into your demographic uh, until recently over the last year. So, Uh, I've eagerly watched uh, many of your videos and you're spot on. You're absolutely spot on 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 everything you say on helping men in relationships.
0: Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. And it's so funny how we, we found each other on YouTube. Yep. Right. You found me on YouTube. And uh, yeah, I just loved the way I loved your presence. I love the way you told your stories and your presence and your energy. And it was just like this excitement and this passion. And I feel like so many guys today um, need that passion? They're yearning for it. They want it so bad, and they don't yeah. even know. Like, is it purpose? Like, is it what am I chasing? Like, I just feel like something's missing. Like yeah. the amount of guys I've heard say something's missing, and I don't know what it is. Like, I just am not feeling that like excitement for life. And yeah. when I just saw you, I was like, wow, this is he, this guy has the yeah. best story, an example in order to share. You know what that might be for most men.
1: It really does. We, I mean, we can go in so many directions on that. Um, uh, if you like, I can start with with my story, if you, if you think that's the most relevant, but everything that you talked about finding your purpose, you know, I do videos or have a video on the difference between passion and purpose, uh, how that's actually separated out, um, but really getting that. Yeah,
0: energy. can you, I like that. Can you share that right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, and it, it, I guess it's a good, a good teaser for the story is, you know, passion in my story is going to be based around addiction, which we will get into and we'll see right now is porn addiction um, or sex addiction and everybody always says follow your passion and people try that and it's not to say that your passion can't turn into your purpose but so many people want to whether it's you know my my fiance, she's just you know a soap maker and I I think that is her purpose but it's her passion my passions growing up were uh were star wars I taught myself country dance lesson you know movies I was you know a, a television film producer I did all of that stuff but man, those were just passions. But in the end, it wasn't my purpose. And conversely, I I say that purposes and addictions are really, you know, two sides of the same coin, where addictions can have negative results in your life, passions can present positive results in your life. But neither one is really that purpose that is pulling you forward in life. Passions and addictions are things that you have work on and push that are pushing you forward or once you find your passion it's going to pull you forward into life and you have to evaluate addictions and passions in your life to really evaluate and clear those aside and address them for what they are and once you can do that either and get rid of all any addictions that you have and really work hard on those really about evaluate your passion say is this what it is am i am i struggling am i still tired all the time because of this um push everything aside and when you can do that and in and work on just being in a state of being and presence of being with through meditation and your own thoughts, that's when your purpose will bubble out and eventually just come shooting out of you. And that's what happened with me. And by all means, it wasn't a it wasn't my passion. I did not have passion running around the world telling people that I, you know, jerked off for years and, and had a lot of sex with a bunch of different people. That wasn't a passion. In fact, I became resentful for that for many years. Uh, but once I realized that I have a roadmap that can help people with this problem uh, and, and, and let them see how it's affecting their life and their entirety and their whole, not maybe just in a sexual and relationship way, but how porn and sex addiction is affecting your whole life. I have a roadmap that can help people get to the other side of that and realize what's there. And that's the point in time where my resentment towards porn and sex addiction became gratitude. Because I realized I have a gift now that I can be a leader to people to get to this side of it and be um, uh, be a consultant. I can be an um, uh, accountability partner. I can provide the skills, the tools, everything it takes to get on the other side of that to help you get a few steps clo- closer to what your purpose is.
0: Mm. I love that. And let's go back to meditation because you Brought that up? Would you say that meditation had a lot to do with you being able to tackle that addiction of porn? Because I think a lot of men, especially, look at uh, meditation and they think it's it's all like this woo woo fluffy stuff of think of yourself on a cloud. When it's really giving your brain a chance to rest and get clarity and get creative on you know what are you doing, what do you want, and can you expand a little on that? How meditation. Help guilty, to guilty,
1: guilty, guilty on everything you said about the thoughts <laughs> of meditation. <laughs> uh, you know, I first I first was invited to a yoga class at one time. And, they, you know, that's that's a big piece of meditation. I did not stick with yoga um, because that was I, I remember years back I did P90X. And I thought, oh, yoga day, that's going to be the easy day. The freaking hardest days of the workout were yoga days. My body was not built, and I would love to get back into it. My fiance is trying to get me into it again. Um, okay. But through that, the piece that gained to me was meditation. And then starting, and it goes back to a lot of other classes and learnings that I had in the past. Um, I would say around 2008, uh, I had a um, uh, my father had passed in 1996 when I was really young. My mom passed in 2005. And then in 2007, my godson passed away from leukemia. And that was a point in life where I really became numb to life. And it, it was a TV show that I watched that was he's squeaking. We can edit this out. Hold on. Let go. Um, and so it was a TV show that I watched on A&E. I think it was something. And it was the mind of a serial killer. Mm. And if that doesn't sound shocking enough, I watched that and it got to the point where it said you become numb to feelings in life. And when you get to that point, you start heading down a road that could lead uh, you to being either suicidal or homicidal. And by no means was I really near either one of those. But I clearly saw the road that if I don't do something or anything to really address myself and my, my, my well-being, I could easily see how people get to either one of those paths. And that's kind of when I started my my journey of um, uh, I don't know self actualization with self help whatever it might be. And I joined an organization called Landmark, and that was mm-hmm. in Phoenix, Arizona. And a lot of people call it a cult. Well, you can call it whatever you want, but it's it, it's a it's an organization that really teaches you and gives you tools on just being being your authentic and powerful self. And
0: is that like, for only I mean, men? I What's that? Is that an all men?
1: No, it's it's all it's, wow. oh, men and women. And it really is. You're in a room full of you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 people. And it is people that start talking about their most intimate stories and problems and things that have happened to them in their life. And it is, wow. And you realize these things that happen to you are just stories. And in, in, in humans, we are meaning-making. means. And we're always looking to create meaning for something and that's all we do. Mm-hmm. And so something happens to us when we're really young and all of a sudden we make that mean something. And the worst cases that you, that it ultimately resorts to is usually like sexual rape or abuse or something like that. You, those experiences happen to you, are young for an instance, or, or over a few periods or times or, or even multiple times, but you make it mean something. You make it mean men aren't trustworthy. The world is bad. The world is against me. And now this is a story that you carry with the whole rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and, if you and that's can, how our
0: beliefs are formed, right? Like yep, you,
1: it, exactly. you have your perception
0: of what that means to you. And then you move on believing that.
1: Yep. And, and the, the real power is understanding that we have control over the meaning that we associate to things rather than just being reactive to it. And the example that I usually give is think of a, a wave and, an, you know, the ocean and an ocean cliff. You have a wave that is just pounding and beating on the cliff all day long. Now, if you make those two human beings, the cliff is going to sit there and say, God, I'm worth this. This wave is just beating on me all day long. I can't take it. This, this wave is just, it's horrendous. It's a bully. It's mean to me. And the wave is like, I'm this powerful wave. And it has, this, you know, you, it can create meaning that way. But conversely, if it had the opportunity, the cliff could say, I'm a mighty powerful cliff. I'm protecting all these people behind me and I'm holding back this wave that is beating down. And this is my purpose and job is to protect all these people, you know, create a meaning and a belief that it empowers you rather than be, creates a victimhood. Mm-hmm. And the wave could be the same thing. At first it was a powerful meaning. that says, God, I'm not strong enough. I keep trying to reach this, you know, the shores and this, this cliff is stopping me and it's just holding me back. And so if something happens to you finding, find and associate a meaning to it that empowers you, rather than put you in a state of being a victim.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I was literally yesterday telling one of my clients, like he was, he's was, he been, um, his past three relationships was with women who um, were very, very challenging. Um, they were challenging relationships. And it, it put him in this place of needing to learn patience. Like he yeah. had to learn a lot more patience than he originally had or how yeah. he grew up with. And he, he asked me, you know, why is it like, you know, is it just me? Or like, why does it seem like all these relationships have been such challenges? And you know, why am I attracting this? And I said, okay, let's just step it back. Like you, you needed to attract this in order to get to know yourself more, in order to grow in your patience as a man, in order to know, you know, how to create boundaries for yourself and like what your tolerations are, what are you going to put up with and not put up with in your next relationship? You know, you want to think of it as more like tests. It making you stronger versus why is this happening to me you know because yeah. you're only going to grow from it and you're only going to experience better relationships when you look at those you know past experiences as okay this is what I got from this this is what I learned from this and I'm better because of this person in this way I'm better this person because of this way you know find the I love that like find the what made you stronger
1: yeah I mean, I mean you you hit it right on the head it's the um when, when somebody starts asking themselves the why me Okay, that's, that's the meaning of victimhood that starts creating. But if you can flip that inside and out, that's exactly what you need to do. Why, why is this always happening? Because this is, this is the universe slapping you in the face, saying this is a teachable moment. that yeah. you have to sit back. I will give the example where it really looked at me. So um, if, why don't I get into my story real quick, and that might help, help everybody. Yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up uh, here in Denver and a really shy kid. I mean, I, I would hide behind furniture in closets when people came to the house. And on the other side, my, I have a sister who's 11 months older, and she is the, the quintessential extrovert. And she just, I mean, I envy sometimes. I'm jealous of how easy she can attract people and engage people, and she needs to be around people. Um, and so I always kind of took a back seat growing up. And I created meaning in my life that, you know, I didn't really matter. I wasn't good enough and all those types of things, which you can address later. But um, where it really started is my dad, when I was 11 years old, bought one of those big giant satellite dishes that go out in the backyard that turn and, you know, you hear the motors moving. And on that, and I, I, my dad got it because I think my dad was a porn addict as well. And because all it was ever on, it was one of those things where porn was on every channel. Like if you went to channel seven where the satellite channel was, it was on every TV. So you had to be mindful of what you were watching. But it got to the point where at the time, I was exposed to a higher intensity and availability of porn than most men at my age in the in the early 80s. And it, that became my whole life and my outlet was porn. And it was, you know, whenever the parents would leave, whatever it might be, I was finding ways to you know, turn on the TV. Uh, 11. I was 11. Oh, okay. And so... It was I mean that just kind of became the way of life for me, was just was porn porn and masturbation. And that's one thing that I will say. I use the terms porn, masturbation, orgasm quite a bit. Sometimes people get queasy when I say that. So I usually like to just say it a lot right up front. Get you used to saying it. Porn masturbation orgasm. Porn (laughs) masturbation
0: orgasm. Got it. Porn masturbation (laughs) orgasm. All
1: right, let's get the queasiness out of the way. (laughs) Um,
0: Nothing is queasy for me, I've heard. Yes.
1: Excellent. (laughs) And so I mean, that was my whole life, and it was, it was kind of hardcore porn at the time. You know, it was group sex, lesbian sex, you, had, you know, double penetration. You, you, it was that kind of sex, and 11, 11 up until 19, which was the first time I had sex. And it was with it was, it was a random girl that we met at a bar, a bunch of friends. We went back to her place. It was an apartment. And uh, towards the end, I, I couldn't orgasm. I couldn't orgasm. And I, I wasn't a heavy drinker, so maybe it was a little bit of alcohol. Uh, I chalked it up to maybe it was just the first time, That just first times are awkward, and it was a fluke. Well, it, it turns out it wasn't a fluke. For the, for the rest of my life, up until you know, four, three, four years ago, I was not able to orgasm from sex. And I, I jokingly say I can count on one hand how many times I orgasmed from sex in 30-some 30, in 30 years. And it was always, and that kind of led in, it was kind of a vicious cycle. So I'd watch porn, but it it created a sex drive for me that I wanted to have sex. And then that was about the time the internet came out. So I I became a master of quote getting laid online. And so I developed like, what's the quickest way that I could start talking to somebody to where I could hook up. And then all of a sudden sex just kind of became sport. It became something to do. But most of all, it was a way for me to hide from being vulnerable because there was no need to be hurt if I was just out getting hookups. I didn't have to expose myself and my being and all that kind of stuff. So, hookups were
0: what were you afraid of? Like, what were you afraid of being exposed?
1: Um, That whole imposter syndrome is that somebody, once you get to know them or if they got to know me, they're going to say, God, he's, you know he really isn't smart enough, or he isn't good enough, or all, whatever those things that everybody feels inside of themselves, which like you, you mentioned earlier, how people like, how do you find your purposes? It's really connecting to your being. And once you can connect to your being, that, that whole posture syndrome will kind of go away. But it really was, it was all self-doubt, lack of confidence, low self-esteem, everything that was in the way of me saying, hey, if I keep somebody at arm's length, And it was also to the point where if I did start to let somebody in and decide to maybe like somebody that all of a sudden I ended up in the friend zone and the person wasn't interested. So Mm -hmm. I thought, man, I'm showing, either I'm showing up differently or something's I'm I'm presenting myself in a different way. Once I start liking somebody, whether it's the, you know, the gifts or the cards or becoming a sap or whatever it might be. But I, I ended up training myself to become indifferent towards women and that's not in a negative light. I love, I love women. I respect women, but I became indifferent, meaning I'm indifferent to how you're going to react to me because I myself don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so, Hey, let's meet up. Let's not meet up. It's up to you. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to plead. I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to do those kind of things. Well, that's when my world opened up as my sexual world opened up. It seems like women were attracted to that. Um, but again, it, 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 it turned into 30 years of me closing myself off uh, of that. And so the the brain association, which I talk a lot about, and am getting into my videos when I'm coaching people on, is really understanding the brain correlation of porn and sex on your brain and how it really affects and what scares me most about young men today. Because people and kids, and I, I'll i generally talk about men, but women just as well, young women are watching this probably um, – Most all men, I think 75% of men will experience porn, if not higher. I mean, it's just reported by the time of 18. And they're saying 35 to 40% of women will dabble in it. Um, 25% of people under the age of 18 that say they watch porn, so 25% under 18, are under 10 years old. Wow. And so the people admit to watching porn ages um, 10 to 13 about 15% feel that they're addicted to it. And those are just the people the kids talking about it. And so I know what porn did to my life and seeing the accessibility frequency and intensity that kids have it now is exponentially higher than what I had and it's not really talked about. And Understanding is how that affects society as a whole. As people get older, around relationships, intimacy, connection, it basically eradicates all of those personal connection, not just with somebody intimate, but but people. And that's why I feel like violence and things like that are getting so much higher as people get older because everybody is becoming so isolated mentally uh, from other people. So that was that's the the short story of how how porn really connects, and it has to do with the way porn connects the pathways in your brain when you're young. Your innate nature as a human being is to have sexual arousal and attraction through the natural cues that most people are used to of of, of maybe a physical touch, a kiss, a look, um, uh, flirting, whispers in ears, spending time with somebody. That's the normal cues that generally lead to arousal and intimacy. Well, if you have none of that when you're young, and your only uh, sexual cue is through porn, you now start linking sexual cues through um if you walk in the door and nobody's home you sit down at your desktop maybe you flip on your computer these are all now cues that your brain is getting wired to for sexual arousal mm-hmm. and that's what happened to me then turned into sex addiction to where when you're young a lot of kids and i've talked to a lot of young men on instagram that have been messaging me it's funny they start off with trolls calling me an idiot and an old man and but then they private message me and start telling me hey i've got these these challenges and realizing, say, you can do them both when you're young. You know, you can get erect. You can be banging. You can be hooking up but still be watching porn. But as you grow, that that road or that path of cues for intimacy and, and sexual arousal start withering away. The weeds grow. They pass over. That, that, that path just disappears. Now you have this path of sexual arousal, which is porn. And through dopamine and, and there's a um, – I, I won't get into the scientific aspects of it, but it just gets cemented. And so when you get into an intimate relationship, which is what happened to me, is sexual dysfunction started to set in. Like, I would really get intimate with a person. Like, I love being with her, whatever it might be. But all of a sudden, the sexual arousal would dissipate and just disappear because the only only examples and reinforcements of intimacy I had growing up was with friends and family, mom, sister, whatever it is. And so now when I'm intimate with someone, sex didn't feel like it belonged and so sexual dysfunction literally you know erectile dysfunction sat in and that's the pathway that's taken me the longest to rebuild is I'm had I had to stop everything and let the brain start to rewire those cues and I have to work on the the intimate touch and being with somebody the challenge is is porn and sex the dopamine rush to your brain is so intense it's up there with cocaine and heroin and heroin and those type of things Mm -hmm. but the normal cues of sexual attraction arousal, the dopamine hits are much lower. And so it takes much longer to rewire that. But that was the other challenge where porn comes into play. And again, where most people don't realize it, everything else in the world becomes less interesting because things that you do, it could be playing sports, it could be working out. All of these are dopamine rush to your brain but they're at a lower level than what porn and sex can do or Coke or that a lot of any addictions. Mm-hmm. And so think of the sun. Yeah, Cause it's
0: on- not reality. Like it's not something that you're going to experience <laughs> on a, daily, in a daily basis. So if you're putting your mind in porn on a daily basis, it's you're going to see all this crazy shit, get the dopamine high and then your brain can never reach that high on yep. an average day ever.
1: It, it, it doesn't. And so it, it's like the sun during the day, like that's the only hit that you're getting of light. Well, like nighttime, if you pull that sun away or pull that porn away, now you see all these levels of, of light or accessibility of, of dopamine. It's a lot less, a lot faint. But if you realize enough time without that light, those stars become brighter and more intense. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what happens when you get rid of porn and, and, and a sex addiction. Uh, but once I stopped, it took – so I stopped, my last day of porn was March 21st, 2017. I stopped porn and masturbation that day. And this is going to come back full circle. It was a long conversation turning back into what we had talked about looking at other people and saying, why is this happening? And using other people's challenges to look at yourself. I had somebody staying with me for a short period of time, uh, a, a very dear person in my life who had been an alcoholic their whole life. And... First sh- for a summer, when I moved back to Denver, they moved in with me, and just to help them out, they'd broken up with their partner and so severe alcoholic started tearing me down because I was becoming consumed as just person all right where are they at what's going on and I really sat down, was just real authentic with myself, and said, "I can't help this person; they need to help himself, but what can I do in this moment? I took this opportunity to say really search myself. What am I a slave to? What am I addicted to? What is wreaking havoc in my life? Because that I do have control over. And that's when I I had always suspected, and I knew it was porn, but that's when the day I made the commitment to that I was going to stop porn because people around me in my world were suffering and I was never going to be able to have a relationship or the type of relationship I wanted moving forward. So porn was not going to support the future that I wanted. I had broken up with a girl, a long distance relationship where that's happened, fell deeply in love with her. The sexual dysfunction sat in, and I couldn't have sex. I was always putting us in situations where we wouldn't have sex. We were up late, making sure we were tired. She thought I was cheating on her, this whole thing. So we broke up, or she broke up with me, and I couldn't argue it. And so I realized if I want an intimate, loving sexual relationship with someone moving forward, porn's not gonna serve that. And that was the day I stopped.
0: Mm. Good for you. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy to have such a, that must've been such a powerful moment for you. Cause for it,
1: 30, you know, see, that's a great point. When you can give up something like that, it's it, the, the reward zone in your brains will really fire because it is, it's a really boost to the, to the ego that you have power over this and it doesn't have power over you. And That's when I noticed the things in my life really starting to change focus because that energy was being focused elsewhere. And it took a year and a half, but for the first time ever, after a year and a half, I was able to orgasm from sex. Now, to stick with it, it just took gumption to say, I know it's not going to have the future. I'd watch videos online and people can go to my YouTube channel and see that I've linked to other um, TED Talks that talk about those type of things. But it would say it could take six months to a year for your brain to rewire to, for sexual orgasm. It took me a year and a half. Mm. And, but I waited it out because I knew each day was getting closer. Each day was getting closer. And I was fortunate enough to have a couple of people here in Denver. Uh, it still wasn't 100% cure because it was still a hookup with somebody that I wasn't intimately related to. But I was starting to fire off rounds left and right. You know, I, I was having sex the first time of my life like every time it was higher
0: off rounds left. Yeah,
1: it was going and then I joke around, but I mean the poor girl. It, uh, unfortunately, it was happening quickly as well. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so she's like, "Is that it?" Like, Hell yeah, that's it. And I'm doing a happy dance in my head, like, I, "Yeah, I came, I came from sex." Yeah,
0: fuck yeah, that's like, it.
1: So, um, so that was the point where I thought I am cured, and that was uh, it, that was probably that was in 2018. And so that's when I really opened myself up to dating and really attracting, attracting somebody. And about uh, four years ago, I had met uh, a lady on Tinder here in Denver. We went out a few times, and it didn't, um, uh, it didn't work out. She was living in a different part of the state, and, and for whatever reasons, neither one of us was ready. Well, last August, I saw her on Tinder again, and I paid the $2 for the super swipe, and it was the best $2 of my life. And uh, we started dating again, and we've been inseparable. And we got engaged on March eighth, and so uh, she's now my fiance, and she's amazing. Uh, so all of that transformed in, in a short period of time. And uh, you know, I'll go back to you know what else happens after porn After porn, I became very successful in my job, my work. Uh, I was uh, doing sales for a software company. And my sales and my connection with my clients were getting much higher. Uh, I was also uh, partners in a uh, video production company. And during that time, we had won or been awarded three Emmys uh, for local content that we've done here in Denver. We -hmm. produced a documentary film that uh, was um, qualified for Oscar consideration. We didn't make it, but we were considered. So that was pretty cool. Uh, So I really started excelling in life, my connections with people and life just started thriving. Vulnerability, that was one of the biggest pieces as well, uh, is really being vulnerable with yourself and finding strength and vulnerability uh, and, and rather than finding victimhood and vulnerability, which most people go down that path. And that's something that it most men, that it, your clients, is really work on that vulnerability aspect of themselves, which means it, it doesn't mean being weak and, and, and just divulging everything about yourself, but really having an honest look at yourself. Like, where are you not excelling? What is holding you back? What is being a detriment in your life? And don't excuse it. Don't blame somebody else for it. And whatever it is, you have to take full ownership of everything of who you are and what you're doing in your life. And when you can be vulnerable about that, then you can start putting the tools and systems in place to empower you in each area of those those areas of your life.
0: I love that. I love that you mentioned that because you know, people hear, especially men, hear vulnerability, and they're like, oh, that's weak. What does that mean? I have to sit there and cry and tell, talk about my feelings. And it's like, no, just take ownership over, you know, what's going well for you and what's not. And take ownership over that and don't blame other people for it because you get to choose. It's your life. And
1: Yeah. And it really comes back where you had mentioned earlier about um, about meditation. You had asked about what role yeah. that had played. And that, that really was, and, and I think that's how we led in that organization called Landmark, that's, that's where I started learning about the meaning and the, uh, how we're creating meaning in our lives and, and really the whole aspect behind ego. And I would urge a lot of your men to start researching what ego means and what that is in your brain. And ego, is the, it, it's, um, it sits in the part of the brain that's called the default network. And I, I don't know, I can't remember the scientific name, but that's the part of your brain where you feel – Where you can start feeling anger, where you start feeling self—it's self—it's the self-awareness part of your brain. Mm -hmm. Now it's a small piece of your brain, somewhere towards the front, right—you know—in the middle towards the front. But you have the whole rest of the brain. Is what meditation does is it removes you out of the ego, where we live our life in in a snow globe of the of ego of what we think is is reality. And meditation takes you out of that and puts that snow globe right up on a shelf. So you now become an observer of your own life. And now you can realize all these things that are affecting your life is just being, just being made up. And the other analogy that I kind of use is, is dry ice. If you take a piece of dry ice and set it in your hand, dry ice is your brain, is your experiences and things that are happening to you. If you don't do anything and you let that sit there on your hand, it's going to burn your hand. But as what ego does is, it steps in the right way, and now you can kind of control that dry ice. You can just roll your hand around a little bit, and that dry ice is not going to hurt you. You just acknowledge it, and finally, it just disappears and goes away. You uh, you you access what's happening to you just as an observer. Take it for what it is. Just be with it and and and, and understand it. And it either it goes away, or you can. To just tell yourself that it's not real and start start doing that so you now become in touch with a higher consciousness i say wider consciousness not open consciousness or wider, higher but it's just a wider consciousness of your brain that that your ego and who you think you are is just a piece of your overall being that was designed to help us keep us safe in the world and i don't want to get too metaphysical about it too spiritual i'm not a shaman i don't sit around you know you know, it was smoke and incense and that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a guy's guy, you know, white collar guy that, that had this awakening and understood that. And mm-hmm. that's where that in touch of being with in touch of your being of who you are and being vulnerable. But it all started with vulnerability is really being able to start looking at myself.
0: Okay. So I hope that wasn't
1: too much of a rant. <laughs>
0: No, that's great. Um, can you like? Can you tell the guys exactly what you did in that meditation process? Yeah. Like, what was um, it step by step?
1: There's a lot of different things that I've done. The, one, the one thing that I've learned where I started off with little little pieces. One was always around energy, because I've always struggled with energies. As we talked about, you know, caffeine snuck back into my life. There are other things, but mm-hmm. one thing that I learned there's this, this nerve from your brain down to your gut called the uh, the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. And that can be tuned f- through vibration. And I don't mind talking about it nowadays, but again, some of your guys are like, really, oh, yeah, I hear about vibration. Your vibration's high. You know, that's all chakras and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I, I don't need to convince anybody of it, but I felt it. But through the first part of meditation I first learned was, was humming to increase my vibration in the morning. And it's simply I'll turn on work in the morning and I will just hum through my nose for about two minutes at different frequencies. It's like uh, increase it uh, and hold those for 30 seconds to a minute. And that will start tuning the energy in that vagus nerve in your body from your gut. Again, that's not a whole, that's not high level meditation, but there's an actual something you can feel right away. And then it was just through many different people I found on YouTube. It was morning meditations, um, gratitude, all those type of things of where you can just sit and get into your brain and start just letting those feelings, those things that, that you're thinking about just be, and you can separate your being from it. You can just be with those. And the thing that I learned is somebody says, I want to be more loving. I want to, you know, I want to be, um, uh, you know, have gratitude or, or all those type of things, and rather than going out and doing it, get into a state where you are that. You are just mm-hmm. that is your being. You're a being of love. You're a being of gratitude, and then you no longer have to do it. You just be it, and that's when people around the people just start attracting themselves to you because it's so authentic in who you are that it, it's just a beacon of light to people. Um, mm-hmm. And so people, I would say, just find different types of meditation that they can find on their, on their own. Um, there are many guided meditations that you can use, usually morning meditations. But the one, and I have a video on YouTube, where I tell people to start first is gratitude. That is the one thing that you can start practicing immediately. And there's three phases to that. One is just being gratitude and thankful for the things that you have. That's what you hear 90% of the people talking about is journaling, waking up every morning. What am I thankful for? My fiance, my dog, my house, my health, all those types of things. Um, and then the next is the next level is going out and giving gratitude to others as simple as it might be without expectation of anything in return. It could be mm-hmm. as simple as thanking someone for holding the door open. Thank somebody for working late at night I use it a lot right now when I go into some sort of a store and somebody's working I'm thanking them for working and I say and I also think well this person has a job and they're willing to put themselves out here and so that's kind of the next level of gratitude and the third level that really is a lot more transformative is how do you receive gratitude because most people mm-hmm. understand one and two but it's the receiving gratitude where most people deny shun and push away and it's very evident when somebody says, hey, you look great today, or that's a nice dress, or those are great shoes, you're dressed well, you say, oh, this whole thing, I found it, I had this, I bought it on discount.
0: And yeah. you start
1: shunning and dimin- dimin- diminishing somebody else's gratitudes or compliments towards you, And so what that's doing is, one, you're not receiving that yourself. So you're not, it's disempowering you. If you accept it, it becomes empowering because it makes you feel like you are an expert. It makes you feel worthy because you mm-hmm. are worthy. Most of the times we do that, it's a subconscious level of not feeling worthy. And so we shun those, those gratitudes and compliments. But the other thing that it's also doing is, is it's, it's robbing someone of them giving it Getting, to you. Yeah. It is, it's the same thing as somebody giving you a birthday gift and you say, here, take it back. I don't want it. Mm. And so working on receiving gratitude is something that will become very transformative. And own it. When somebody thanks you, you thank them. You say you're welcome, or or ask them what their name is if it's in public and tell them that you appreciated it, their their gratitude, whatever it might be, but receive it because that is the first step of really building that self-worthiness within yourself.
0: Hmm. I love that so much. And that was really my that was something I was aware of in myself last year. And I'm like, wow, I just realized every time someone gives me a compliment, I say, I say, no, 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 like, it's like, I should have, I should have done that. Or like, I should, you know, I should be in shape, you know, why shouldn't I? Okay. And it was just always this, no, like, stop. And, and I realized like, that was making, first of all, making the other person feel like shit probably. Yeah. Like, wow. Like I just shut them down. They were trying to do something nice. And I was like, no. And, um, and then it was making me feel less and less confident about myself. And it's like, it's really as a lose, lose. Like, if you really, that's how you build confidence. Yeah just mind-blowing to me like I never realized I did that until I caught myself last year for the first time and I'm like wow pretty much all my life I've been doing this <laughs> what
1: opened your eyes to that Stephanie what was the first thing that made you think okay that this was happening did, did you see something that made you aware of that or um, was it just a moment of saying God, I feel like shit <laughs> after that
0: well I had no I had a therapist at the time and he pointed it out he found it in me because um because I did have this like self-deprecating habit of talking down to myself. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, what about when people say nice things to you, like what's your reaction? And then I told him like, wait, I'm, I'm always shunning them. Like I'm always yeah. pushing them away. And that was when the, and then I would go to my dance class and then I was like, all right, this is probably when I do it most, so I'm gonna be aware of it. And before yep. I went into dance, like I would get a compliment and right away, like the words just right yep. out of my mouth were, no, like I, you know, it's nothing or whatever. And then I caught myself. I'm like, shit, I just did it. I just, did. Yeah. And then I became like more and more aware. And to the point where people would give me compliments and I would just breathe and like be awkwardly silent. And like 10 seconds later, I'd be like, thank you. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> like it I mean, got really awkward for me to like transition to accepting it. But, um, but now I accept it for the most part. And, and how works. does it,
1: but has it, I mean, it really is an a powerful feeling of self-worth to, to receive that. And going yeah. back to the, the meaning that we associate of, of what happens with these stories we create about ourselves. And my story growing up was I'm not worth it and I'm not good enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And maybe it wasn't worth it. It was like, I don't matter. It was, I don't matter. And I'm not good enough.
0: Was that because of your sister? Like comparing? Yeah,
1: that? that was a big piece because she took a lot of my parents' time. And even when my dad, you know, a couple days before he passed away, I had that conversation with him. I shared with him. I said, you know, you spent a lot of time with, with, with sis. And, and I said, you kind of made me feel like you guys had, and you know, like favored her. And I could just see the look over his face of oh, crap. He's like, I can see where you see that. But to them, to, to my dad and my mom, it was like, Bill, we knew you were going to be okay. <laughs> mm. You were good. You know, you didn't do anything wrong. And, That's funny because my
0: parents said the same thing to me. Like, they're like, we just didn't worry about you. And I'm like, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that was one. There was a time where I got in trouble growing up, and something that hurt that my parents did is they said, we would ground you, but you don't do anything anyways. (laughs) Ouch, ouch, that hurt. But going back to the stories on on how we receive things that, that people do, is so this whole story of my life of I'm not good enough and I don't matter, and part of there's also not being heard. That's another one that people start will creep up on people. Mm-hmm. But you can have 99 things happen to you where somebody is giving you an example that you matter. They're asking you for your help. They're doing this to, to disprove it. But you're going to shun that. You're going to forget about it. You're going to push it out of the way. And the one person out of 99 that, that validates your feeling of not being worthy, that's what you're going to internalize and hold on to. And you forget about the other ninety, the other 99. And this happens enough, enough times in your life that you're holding on to all those 1% deals where all these other 99% have flown out the window. And now this is the story is, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. This isn't who I am, I can't do this. It's all that self-talk of, of, of realizing. But when you can start accepting what other people are doing and accepting those nice things and validating yourself for the good that you do and the, the things that people are recognizing you for and coming to you for help, and what you can be an expert in, all those type of things, then you realize that was just a stupid story I held on to for 35 freaking years that just wasted that time that did not empower me. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- there's, there's nothing difference between anybody else that you might see success in the world than you. There's nothing, nobody has anything different other than a mindset and a willingness to, to push through something else when it gets hard. That's all it takes. Everybody else gets slapped in the face, knocked down, you know, dig in the dirt, knocked out. It's just how many times do you, are you going to let that happen to you and just finally say, you know, I can't do this. I'm not an expert. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. As so the, the, the successful person says he's got the same thoughts, but he says, I'm still not going to let it get to me today. I'll get it tomorrow. And that's really the only difference between that. And it's the same thing in a relationship of why is this always happening to me? Learn from it because you can get it. And I'll go back to again getting into this relationship with my fiance is even though I thought I was cured because I was able to orgasm from sex, I still started having those the issues of sexual arousal with my fiance, and this is this is three years after I stopped, and because of that association. But it wasn't me giving up saying I'm not worthy of a relationship. It was one I attracted the kind of person that says I get it. Bill, I love who you are, you're fascinating, you're motivating, you're authentic, your essence, your vulnerability, and I love this about you, and, and sex is a small piece of intimacy in a relationship, which is, I will be with you, let's work on it, as opposed to me shutting down, saying I'm not worthy because I'm not going to be able to have sex in a relationship, and blah, 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 but I was confident in my being that I'm going to get it, mm-hmm. you know, didn't happen today, tomorrow I'll get it. So I was able to work with her and, and, and it took a short period of time and it started happening, rewiring my brain, working with her and rebuilding that and building that piece of sexual of intimacy into my life that never in my entire life had ever had before to have that oneness of everything connected together. But it's yeah. that, 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 mental capacity of saying, I'm not going to let it get me today.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's strong vulnerability too, is you being able to share with your partner that you're having you know, doubts sexually, or maybe not even doubts, but just feeling like you're not all there, feeling a little uncomfortable, because most of the time that is related to, you know, sexual dysfunction is related to your mental state. Most of the time, Mm -hmm. it's the majority of it is mental. So if you can share that information with your partner, and make sure that they know, and that you're both on the same page, it takes away so much mental pressure, because you know, they're aware of it, they're accepting of you, they're helping you work through it, you know, and it just takes a lot of pressure off of you of, you know, I need to perform, I need to do my best. It's like, no, just be intimate with your partner and do your best, you know, to that, crazy. Just do that was it. I would
1: shut down immediately before I started because that need to feel like I had to perform or whatever it would be would shut down. It was a domino effect that happened in a nanosecond. Now if i got an ED, that's in. Um, and that, you know, I, I uh, this, this past, um, this past month, I finally received my certificate for porn and sex addiction recovery coaching. And uh, um, a lot of what I learned was really uh, interesting around couples because I've not been in a long term relationship forever, but I now am in a, I mean, now I'm going to get married. So I wanted to learn a lot about this. And there's a couple different aspects of how porn approaches a relationship. And one of the real common ones is today are women that meet men and they enter a relationship not understanding that the guy uses a lot of porn. And in the beginning, they might have a sexual relationship, but as it gets, as they grow farther together, they have what's called the Coolidge effect where the, the sameness kind of wears off. And so all of a sudden, the woman starts thinking, he doesn't like me anymore. What's going on? It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. Well, no, that's, that's just the brain doing what the brain does. And he still has his high attraction for dopamine. So he's continuing to watch porn in the relationship. So that's one way. And to be vulnerable as a man, if you get into this situation, as you just mentioned, share with your partner, your new girlfriend or whatever it is, this is what I've got going on in my life. And I would love to have you be a partner to help me have recovery through this, or maybe understand how this is affecting my life. But the, the the first key that I feel like men need to do is I talk about porn addiction. I've, I've gotten away from talking about that because in hindsight, what I learned about myself was I was not a porn addict because once I realized the the behavior I was doing and the negative effects it was had on me, I stopped immediately that day. You know, addiction is something where you continue to do something even though you know the negative harm and benefits that it has towards you. I know what real addiction is because the one that did creep into my life after that was cocaine. That was a son of a bitch to get off of. Mm-hmm. But the tools I had learned around porn helped me expedite that process. And it didn't it took me a couple months to get off of it once I realized it, it was going down this path of almost a year of using it to get things done. Um, But that's, that's real addiction. But some men are addicted. It can be an addictive behavior to where even though, you know, it's detriment in your life, it can, it it has, you can't stop. But for men to recognize if they are not achieving in their life, whether it be at work and relationship, if they're unmotivated, if they're tired, if they just can't seem to do what they want to do, and they've never considered porn as being a piece of that problem consider it. You don't have to be an addict to have this be messing up your life. It's just like sugar or caffeine or all these things that are going on. If you've eliminated everything else and you're still feeling it, dive into porn and see how this is affecting your life. And um, so then going back into the relationship, the other things that happen in relationships are is if you have been together for a while, now that intimacy starts to slip, a man will turn to porn. And it could be in the, in the beginning, it's just because out of depression, I mean, men, men go to porn and women do too for, um, because they're bored, because they're depressed, because of anxiety. And uh, there's another whole psychological uh, association when you're young, when you start using porn, your brains are at a high level of, of um, understanding anxiety in your brain. And you have higher levels of anxiety and fear and all these type of parts that are going on just because you're learning. You have no baseline. Well, if you're using porn those whole li- your whole life as a, young- as a young person, all of a sudden, subconsciously, stress, fear, anxiety can trigger sexual arousal. Mm. You know, and you don't even know it. And that's why you turn to it because you can get a release from it and so those associations come so sometimes people constantly put themselves in these in these states of fear and anxiety and stress because it's going to lead to a, a you know porn in in orgasm mhm so
0: yeah I, mean, and I think that's really powerful you mentioning associations because you have control to realize i mean when you realize what that association is you have the control to say okay well how can i create a new association to mm-hmm. when i'm feeling stressed and maybe just starting is okay watch only 15 minutes of porn instead of a half hour and then go for a walk or listen to, you know, a podcast and do something that you want to be doing in order to cope with the stress, not necessarily the porn, but... I think it's best to not go cold turkey and just assume, all right, I'm just going to stop and never do it again. Yeah, um, it
1: it is. And it's all going to be on your brain because what's going to happen is you can stop cold turkey, but with any addiction, usually two weeks afterwards, Mm. it becomes a a greater pulse because what's happening is the nerve cells, they multiply the receptors of your brain that were receiving that dopamine. You've cut it off. Now your nerve cells are replicating um, receptors trying to find and reach for that. So urges become stronger. And that those those build within about seven to 10 days, and can last for then they'll start dying off again, those those receptors will start dying off within a month to two months. Um, so understanding and that's what a lot of the men that I work with now is really getting the chemical brain aspect of it, of what is it doing in your brain? Once you really realize that, you can start understanding the steps you can take and it's, it can be different for a lot of people, but the systems and, and associations that you put into place to make sure that it doesn't happen again. It's not just this, I don't know what's going on, but once you really understand it and in a, rela- in a relationship that we're talking about, if you're a guy and you start noticing this, if you're turning to porn as opposed to your partner, say you've never used it before because you and I chatted offline uh, about how there are times porn can be used successfully. Yeah. I feel like in a relationship, as long as it's something that you're both doing together, I feel like the second somebody starts watching porn without their partner, it starts becoming a problem. Um, I feel like you should be doing it with your partner or with your partner's awareness. And both people need to be involved in what that porn is about. Somebody can't feel uncomfortable. Like if it's massive BDSM and women degradation and double penetrations or all these kind of things, if, if one of your partners is feeling uncomfortable around it, but that's what the other person is enjoying. Again, you need to address it right there because it's going to snowball. Um, And so there are times where I feel like it could be healthy. I don't really talk about that a whole lot because the people I talk with are trying to just get off of it. Um, But if you are in a relationship. Yeah, me
0: too. And like just putting that out there for my listeners. Cause I do like say that, you know, watch porn with your partner, if you need to get, you know, more in the mood. So I, I, I'm not against porn per se, but like I do, I do also help a lot of men just talk through it. Like I, you know, yeah. I've heard so many guys trying to quit at this point, not even just, I want to stop a little bit. They're like, I want off. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. I want you, to and end. You need to, you need to get to a point where you can reboot for a period of time. Usually 90 days is what for chemically for the brain to help it reassociate that. But I did personally, I used porn once I got into the relationship to, to jumpstart that arousal piece with my partner. So we put porn on, I would get the arousal. I would turn away and just focus with her get it going. And if I felt like maybe I was starting to go soft again or whatever it is, I'd maybe look over again and look at the porn and keep using it as, as a booster to create the association with my partner.
0: But not and not the, in,
1: Yeah. And not, and not the not the TV screen with somebody I don't know. So mm-hmm. it can be healthy, but I definitely say if you're in a relationship and it's going that past, if you hadn't used porn and you start using it, the first thing you want to do is, is acknowledge it and then bring it up to your partner. You know, people can reach out to me. I can help them with conversations around how to have that. But if you start using porn in your relationship and your partner finds out, it's going to cause a whole lot more problems because for the partner, and we'll use the common analogy of man watching porn, female partner finding out, it has the same effect on a female partner of being cheated on. Mentally, it has the same effect. And guys are like, well, I'm not cheating on you. But to the woman, that's what it feels like but the woman also has to understand that saying that the guy doesn't feel like it's being cheated on, that there is something else chemically going on, regardless, either way, it wasn't just a sexual act. There was a disconnect and intimacy and connection ahead of time that led to that. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you are a male in that position in your relationship, don't go down the path of saying, just because my wife won't have sex with me, you know, that's a challenge that she needs to address. You guys need to address because that's generally what happens yeah. is a woman starts feeling insecure about herself and maybe the guy's been demanding, like you need to have sex and now all of a sudden they don't want to and all these type of things. So he turns to porn. It's just a wedge that's going to keep growing wider and wider and wider and wider. But if you can have that vulnerability to be with each other and connect and talk through what each of those mean to each other without pressure of anything around it, you can start rebuilding that intimacy in the porn role way.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I love that you mentioned like her feeling good about herself because that's the majority of reasons. I don't think most guys understand this. The majority of the reason, the biggest reason why women stop having sex with their men is because she doesn't feel good in her body. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with not feeling like she's getting any compliments from him or like he's not finding her desirable. So she's Mm going to pull back and then she's going to feel like worse about herself and less attractive. And then he gets, you know, all like why don't you blow me like why don't we have sex and it makes it about him in the way he asks for yeah. it this is just like the common like another it common.
1: is and the, the the pressure in the brain and the reason i understand it because i have lived the woman's side of that and i've had friends say, my wife she won't be and i'm like dude you're putting way too much pressure on her yeah you know you're saying hey i'll go find it somewhere if you're not going to do it holy shit i mean the pressure that puts on a female mentally you know a guy's thinking well what she doesn't have to worry about getting it up you know and she can still perform and It's not the same thing. The mental aspect of it, I get it because I've had that pressure of what's going on. You need to work on getting, you know, fixing this. You need to work on that. And I'm like, holy shit, wow. I mean, the pressure of not feeling good about yourself and not being able to perform and all those type of things, it instantly happens. Now you're in this realm of you never want to do it. You never want to address it. You avoid it. And all those kind of things happen. And that's what happens on the woman's side in a relationship. And the guy has to understand what part is he playing in that through pressure rather than talking through this and say, "What, what can we do? What can't we, and, but again, that's, my partner's so amazing about it. She's never once done that. And it, it's, it's, so it was just naturally available. And in the beginning, I told her, I went all into the whole story of what I have going on in my life. She's like, I get it because she too has watched porn and has had some level of this. And there was never a pressure of you need to work on this harder. You need to work on this faster. You need to achieve this sooner. It is. We're going to do it. We're going to have sex. We're just going to let it be in the moment. There's no pressure of either person having to orgasm. There's no pressure of me either having to get it up or not get it up. It is just that moment of being intimate in a sexual way with somebody else that doesn't have to result in orgasm on either party. Mm-hmm. And that there's something so special on that that is just so amazing, where, where sex just becomes a small piece of intimacy as opposed to being intimacy.
0: Mm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of this, Bill. I really love. I, I'm really enjoying this conversation, oh. um, and I'm sure the, I'm sure the guys are too. Like, there's no. some great insight in here, and and you know, you're not you're not the woo guy, which I love about you is that you still take meditation seriously and you see all this shit for what it is. And you know, it's just it's important for guys to have that more like man's man to relate to office. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am
1: not running around in Birkenstocks. I don't want to judge. I sound so judgy when I say that but with tie dye shirts and you know, mother earth, a lot of it, I, I believe and I've connected spiritually with all that, but I, it's like people are very religious. I don't need to go to church to be told that I, that I know what I know. Mm. Um, I just, and again, it's just a state of being. And if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, there's a few different ways they can find me pretty much through any social media at bill Wildermant. That was kind of my own term. It's a take on bewilderment, but it's bewilderment. Uh, uh, bewilderment is a state of being um, uh, uh, confused, and, and bewilderment is a state of being profound and conscious. <laughs> so uh, bewilderment. you can find many social media there, or just Google Bill Ranshaw. Um, the website that I'm building out along with this is pornkillsex.org, as well as PornKillsIntimacy.org. So they can look, they can go to either one of those. They can also email looking at porn That's the email address. So uh, that's it. It's been fantastic. I, I hope you can catch up again as you uh, go on your journey, working with couples as, as you know, as well as men. Uh, however, I can be a part of that. And I, there's opportunities I might have to call you in as well as for help.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I, I look forward to working with you in the future for sure. Bill, Absolutely. if you can, so, and thank you for what you do. Just like, thank you for helping men, you know, overcome these, these obstacles. Cause I know even you took a risk of leaving your, your, you know, a part of, a part of your career and aiming in the direction of, I need to do this with the rest of my life. I need to help. Yeah, I
1: walked away from $120,000 of income. I walked away from
0: mm-hmm. a
1: great life of, of finance, <laughs> and walked away yeah. from it all. <laughs> but this is, again, this is my purpose. This is what I meant to do.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I admire that so much about you. So thank you. Definitely. If you can leave the guys with one piece of advice to close out, if they only you know, listen to this podcast for this last tip, what would it be?
1: Um, I would say, great question, is we didn't talk about this. It's around fear, hate, and anger and compassion. And it's a statement to really eternalize that hate cannot live in a space that compassion holds. And to sit and think about that when you start getting angry or frustrated or something, use that as an opportunity to find compassion for someone in that moment for whatever it might be. And that's why I leave and also work on gratitude, 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 gratitude. And that's, those are the, those are the top two things I'll leave with someone and reach out. I mean, there's so many reach out, tell somebody, if you have a problem, find a friend, reach out to me, I'll be your accountability partner.
0: <laughs> Love it. Thanks though.
1: All right, Stephanie. Thanks a bunch. Take care.
0: You too. All right. Well, that was the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Bill. Um, I actually found Bill on YouTube and he was just so transparent right off the bat. And I was like, yo, let's get on a call. And then we talked and he was awesome. I'm like, yo, there's so many guys. I I don't really say yo at all. (laughs) I'm just saying it right now. But I said, let's get on a call. I just want to hear more of your story. and, And if you're going through this, just reach out to someone like Bill, if not Bill himself, you know, and just share what you're going through. I've worked with a couple guys who felt a lot of shame around, you know, feeling addicted to porn and not being able to get out of it. And and it's just good to have that that support system to back you up. You know, other guys who are either going through it and trying to, trying to get out of it as well to reclaim their own power and control uh, because nothing feels good. No addiction feels good. It's taking over your life or you feel like you can't control it. So, talk to other people who are going through this, and you know, hopefully this episode inspired you to maybe think a little more along the lines of how Bill was thinking uh, when he overcame this addiction. So, I hope you enjoyed it. That is it, guys. Like I said, check out the effective communication method with by the link below um, or the link in the description. <laughs> and I'll talk to you next episode. So have an amazing morning, evening or night, wherever you are in the world, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.